What's up, football fans? It's the greatest football podcast ever. Just kidding. All right. But we're bringing you a Super Bowl preview today as we've only had one football or two football episodes, I think, recently. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, we're going to bring you a Super Bowl preview along with kind of, uh, you know, season wrap up uh, as we we come to the close of the NFL season before the start of the new season in March. So, right. Um. Yeah, you know, just browsing here, Matthew and Zach again to bring you a wonderful Super Bowl preview. So yeah, we thought this would be a good idea. I mean, I think we were kind of talking a couple weeks ago about waiting till after the Super Bowl to do kind of like a whole season recap, but I don't think we had any really grand ideas for this episode. And we're obviously coming up on you know the Super Bowl is this Sunday, so. Um, I kind of wanted to use this episode to not only for my own sort of recap, but for anyone else out there who follows football to kind of recap. There's been not only do we have, you know, the playoffs have been ongoing and we're coming up on the Super Bowl, but we're also in technically the off season of the NFL already. And there has been a lot of movement in terms of coaching changes and all kinds of stuff like that. So Eight head coaches were fired. Yeah, so I kind of wanted to use this podcast to go through that kind of stuff because, you know, if anyone else out there listening is kind of like me, you get busy with work, you see the ESPN notifications, but it's kind of hard to be like, okay, wait, so who's been fired so far and who's been hired and where's this guy now? And I, I see a lot of the ESPN headlines when I'm watching, you know, Sports Center or something real briefly while I'm making dinner or whatever, but it's like, I kind of like to sit down and dive into it a little bit, and I, this is a perfect excuse to do I that. I mean, so. I dive into this every day. I, I literally have a page saved on my computer that says Broncos rumors to click on, and, <laughs> and then I was going through it. And I mean, I'll just start it off with the Broncos. We fired Vic Fangio. I think he's a defensive genius. I was going to say, he so sounds like a great guy in the locker room. You should know, we just start with the coaching yeah, stuff we'll first? Yeah, we'll just jump yeah, in okay. with the coaching yeah, stuff I think that's real a good quick. Idea. Um, and then we'll jump in with the playoff talk. Uh, we fired Vic Fangio, and I think it was kind of, uh, you know, I agreed with the firing. Um, consecutive losing seasons, three years in a row. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we've had a great defense, but the offensive coach hirings, <clears throat> and I mean, our offense, you could you could coach a six-year-old peewee team to a better offense than ours. Yeah, I think my thoughts on that, I, I agree with you, and I agree with the firing. I, it was like you said, three years in a row of below 500, missing the playoffs. I mean, that makes six seasons in a row now where we've missed the playoffs since winning the Super Bowl and Super Bowl 50. Um, I think he was another – I was never really that excited about Vic Fangio. I think he was a very similar hire to a Vance Joseph, and I think both of those guys are um, really good defensive coordinators but don't make necessarily good head coaches. And, it, and anyone who has watched any Broncos football, and we've covered this ad nauseum, but – Melvin Gordon, you're trash. <laughs> That's not where I was going to go. But oh. <laughs> Matt has his thoughts on Melvin Gordon that we can let him get to in a minute. Um, anyone who has watched any Broncos football over the past few years knows that the defense is never the issue. We all we always have a defense somewhere in the range of like pretty good to like great, like a great yeah. defense. And then our offense just every year has just been pretty abysmal. And it just doesn't seem to get better no matter how many – head coaches we get in no matter how many offensive co coordinators we cycle through. So that to me like is the real thing that I would like to see especially with the new guy coming in from the Packers, Nathaniel Hackett and well, I just hope he brings 
some I would like to see some offensive creativity. Well, like think, it, it think seems like this. not only are we not scoring points, but like the offense is just so boring and there, there's bland. no deep shots. There's yeah, it's, there's no there's, there's no, no risk taking. And then and when then, there is creativity, it's like why did we run that play on the goal line? Yeah, for a two so point conversion. That it's just matter. it's frustrating as like a fan of a team, especially from the AFC West, because then you'll go on and you'll watch Chiefs games that end up obviously they're playing later into the playoffs than we are, and you're like. Why can't we call plays like this? Like, it seems like every other team in our division, the Raiders, the Chargers, and the Chiefs, are all like 50 times more exciting to watch offensively they also, than the Broncos are. They also have quarterbacks that are, you know, 10 times. I would take all, I would take Derek Carr, Mahomes, and Herbert over Hands every down. Broncos quarterback we've had since Peyton Manning. Hands down. A thousand times over. And, you know, I'll get to this point in a second, but. <clears throat> Yeah, we're missing a quarterback. I thought Teddy Bridgewater would do a good enough job of maintaining the ball and we'd score enough points. <coughs> excuse me, that our defense, we could rely on our defense. And it was another year where we definitely could have done that, but our offense scored 18 points a game. Mm-hmm. And it's like you're never going to win in the AFC West nope. or in the NFL alone <clears throat> just scoring 18 points a game. Nope. It's not going to happen no matter how good your defense is. And we had a stellar defense. And yeah. I give props to Vic Fangio for that because that is his doing. The offense is also his doing, though, because he's a head coach. Mm-hmm. He hires the offensive coordinators. He picks, you know, helps pick personnel. <clears throat> we had one of the, if not the most stacked offenses in terms of talent, goes on paper. But when you saw it on the field, you were like, we just wasted a year of Jerry Judy. Yeah. We signed Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick to these massive contracts. I believe they both have amazing talent and great potential. It certainly seems they like this them. this season, especially the wide receiver group, was like the highlight of yeah. our offense. We have for sure. Noah Fant, who you could compare to like a George Kittle as far as a receiving tight end goes. His blocking is like watching, you know, uh, I'm, I'm not going to say it because it's really bad, but it's just terrible. Albert O is another great tight end when it comes to receiving we had two running backs rush for over 900 yards each and yet we can't win football games i don't know man and it just it never made sense and but a lot of it comes down to head coaching because bad play calls we wouldn't go for it or we'd challenge a play that everyone's like why did they challenge this so it was just terrible and then yeah like you said you watch you know some of these teams in the playoffs, the offensive creativity, they're throwing 400 yards a game. And I'm like, as I told my dad, we were watching the AFC and NFC championship games. I go, Andy Reid, I can't remember his first name, but Taylor, the Cincinnati coach, Kyle Shanahan, Mm. and Sean McVay. What do those four coaches all have in common with each other? Creative offense. They're all offensive-minded coaches. Yeah. It's not a hard. It's not a hard concept to have a smart Matt Lafleur in mm-hmm. in Green Bay, offensive minded. Yep. Kingsbury down in uh, Arizona, offensive minded. I have. So I was talking to uh, Caleb about this the other day, but um, I have noticed something through my playing days in college, like the head coaches that I had in college and coordinators and stuff that I had, and then just watching following closely college football and pro football in the years since there seems to be 
there's there's quite a few. So finding a really good head coach is a lot more rare than I think people think it is. Because there are a ton of guys. I mean, you, you could go through, if you've been watching a lot of football, you could kind of go through the recent history of the NFL and of college football and find guys who had really successful careers as either offensive or defensive coordinators. And then as soon as they stepped up into the head coach position, did not find much success. So there's something about transitioning from a coordinator to a head coach that not everyone's able to make that leap. And it's just unfortunate that it seems like the last couple of Broncos head coaches have fit that description to a T where they're like, they're really good defensive coordinators in their own right. And they could probably make a long successful NFL coaching career just doing that. But the minute they step into a head coaching gig, it just kind of falls apart. Yeah. And I, and I think part of that comes from, and maybe this is just an offensive bias and the fact that we're seeing more offensive minded coaches having more success lately is the NFL's evolved into a high scoring, you know, these run and gun offenses where it's just, you know, you have Mahomes who could run 90 yards in the backfield one play and then 80 yard bullet. Same with Josh Allen. Then you have Lamar Jackson who could do the same thing. And all of a sudden it's an 80 yard touchdown run. The game's changed. Some of these older defensive coaches, I feel like don't have that clock management because I feel like on defense, you manage the clock, but you don't manage the clock as well on the field. Mm -hmm. If you're a defensive player and you're watching the play clock go down, you're like, well, there's nothing I can do about the play clock besides call timeouts, right? On defense, you don't necessarily manage the clock. On offense, you're like, hey, we got to go into a two-minute offense. Yep. We got to score in two minutes. You know, yeah, the defense is in there, you know, a prevent defense or, or whatever they're trying to, you know, help stop at that point. But the offense is like, we got to manage this clock and go. So I think being an offensive corner, you got to go, I got to learn how to manage the game inside the game. Mm-hmm. I got to manage the plays we call because I got to manage where our ball, the ball goes and keep track of this time and down in distance. So I think the offensive minded coaches have a little bit harder work than like a defensive coordinator. Yeah. It, and I think that's why they see more success right now as head coaches. Yeah. It certainly seems like if I had the choice, like say I was making the decisions, I think I would rather go with a guy who was a very successful offensive coordinator and have him as my head coach rather than a guy who was a very successful defensive coordinator and have him as my head coach. Cause for all of those points that you just made and I just made, it certainly seems like the former offensive coordinators and the more offensive-minded guys have much more success as head coaches for whatever reason. And that may be for a variety of reasons. But I would almost rather have a former uh, super successful offensive coordinator be my head coach and then just have him hire a good defensive coordinator and have him just handle the defense as his sole primary concern. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, yeah, it's just – it's one of those things. It's just the way I, we're watching the NFL unfold right now. I feel like, yeah, you got to have great defense. The Broncos have a team that, no joke, like, you know, I know the rumors are swirling that Aaron Rodgers is coming here with Devontae Adams and all of this stuff because of the Nathaniel Hackett hiring. Um, but we are an Aaron Rodgers away from being a Super Bowl contender. I mean, it's it's – yeah, yeah, that's not a joke. We have the cap space that we could build the team right now to do exactly what we did with Peyton Manning. Yeah, it's it's. Can we can we get into this for a second? Because I think I was having this conversation the other day with Zach, and I was like, I think you know, for the last 
season or two, there has been you know the Aaron Rodgers rumor mill of where is he because he's at, he has not been happy in Green Bay for at least a couple of seasons now, right. maybe even longer. He's just become much more vocal about it here recently. But the Broncos have been in that rumor mill as one of the primary teams that he could land on for the past couple of seasons. But to me, I've always been a little bit dubious of it until now. The path for he for Aaron Rodgers to come to Denver seems more clear to me, more likely to me than it has in the past couple of years. Just because of his former offensive coordinator is now our head coach. Devontae Adams is what he's gonna be a free agent, he's right? A free agent. Aaron Rodgers clearly wants out. I mean, if they're gonna if those two guys are gonna jump ship somewhere, why not follow their former offensive coordinator? You know what I mean? Wow. It, it and, seems and you guys were I'm all not giving- saying it's gonna happen. I'm just saying like it makes a lot more sense now. I can see that path much more clearly than I had the past well, couple two. Or you you couple guys years. gave me a bunch of shit at the wedding before any of the firings had taken place, but I said the Broncos will fire Fangio. We're going to hire Nathaniel Hackett, and then they're going to do whatever they can to trade for Aaron Rodgers. And the only way I see us getting Devontae Adams because they can always franchise tag him, and then he'd have to hold out, or they'd have to trade him too as a sign-in trade. So... As I said at the wedding, I said we're going to fire Fangio, hire Hackett, and then we're going to trade for both Rodgers and Devontae Adams in a package deal. And they're going to come to the Broncos. And everyone's like, nah, you're crazy. Like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And I'm like, just wait till the dominoes fall. Wait for Fangio to be fired and Hackett to be hired. Everyone's like, nah, Dan Quinn's getting the Broncos job. I'm like, nah, we're going to get an offensive-minded coach. Yeah. And Nathaniel Hackett, I think, is the next up-and-coming. Of course, it's hard to say this. It's all opinionated right, right. right now. I, th- I think he's the next up and coming young head coach. Well, I'm I'm glad that the Broncos brass finally wisened up and is like, our offense is clearly the issue here and has been for season after season. I mean, what more what more evidence do you need for the fact that we need to score fucking points well, to win games? And they've I mean, come it's in. Just, it's glaringly obvious. Well, at this and, point. and our offensive coordinator is the old tight end coach from Green Bay. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of Green Bay personnel that moves over here. What I also think is, too, is both him, the offensive coordinator, and Hackett have said, I'm not here to coach a system. I'm not here to be like, okay, you are my guys. This is the system I run. You know, do your best. He goes, I'm here to say you guys all have this special talent. We're going to use your talent to do work work around what you can do. Which, going back to uh, Drew Locke's rookie year with Rich Scangarello, who we all, you know, trashed on because we sucked – Drew Locke went 4-1 and one in his five starts with his mm-hmm. only loss coming to the Chiefs in, in a pretty bad game. But he was working well with Rich Gangarello in that offense. They were The chemistry was building, and then we fired him. Did I like the firing? Of course. Then we hired Pat – I don't know what to call him. And um, <laughs> the dude just showed why he shouldn't even have an NFL job. Yeah, man, I don't, I don't know. It's just I, – I don't know how much – I've been saying this for, for the past since we won the Super Bowl. It's just like you cannot win games scoring 18 points a game no. or less. You can't do it. Not in the NFL, and especially not in our division against those teams. Like all three of those other teams that are in our division are like high powered offenses. Well, and it always seems to, like this past year, it seemed that our defense would be stopping them all game and the mm-hmm. offense would be putting us in positions to win. Then we'd have to kick a field goal. Yep. And then it's like, all right. Defense, you get one stop, we have a chance to win the game if our offense can get a first down. Defense gets a stop. Offense gets the ball. Either goes Shit's three and out yeah. or has a turnover. Like yeah. It's like a, a Melvin Gordon fumble all the time. Like yeah. Every time, I swear, we're about to win a game, and then all of a sudden the ball's bouncing on the ground, and the other team like 
has the ball. And I'm like, you How? know who I was <clears> – <throat> you mentioned him earlier, but you know who I was disappointed in this year? And I don't know if this is because of injuries or if this is because of the offensive play calling. That I mean, it could have been a lot of factors. But Teddy Bridgewater, at the beginning of the year, I really thought I was like, oh, my God, we found our guy. I mean, he's not going to be like a long-term solution, but for the next year or two – if he can play like this, control the ball, manage it, yeah, the game. Yeah, yeah. It was like it was game management. He played good, but not great. But he right. didn't. He wasn't turning the ball over. And then, like as the year went on, he just kind of looked worse as with, it went on. And I don't know what was going on with that. But with the defense we had, we could have been a high caliber team with good offensive management. The games we won, we ran the ball for 180 plus yards. We were controlling the the game clock. You know, our defense had time to rest. That's how you win games. If you want to score 21, 24 points a game with Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback, but eat up 45 minutes of game yeah, clock you're gonna be in good shape. you're doing it the right way, <clears throat> yeah. then you're going to win a lot of football games. Yeah. <clears throat> the thing is, is we would go away from what worked. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, one week we rushed the ball 60 times for 300 yards, and the next week we rush it nine times. And I'm like... What are we doing? Yeah. We're not even like throwing the ball like deep. We're like doing like a one yard pass yeah. to a guy that's covered. That, that's what I mean, man. Like if you watch a Raiders game or a Chargers game or a Chiefs game, when they're passing the ball, like they're taking shots down the field. Yeah. The when you watch the Broncos passing game, you're like it just it's like sad looking. I don't know. It's just like it almost seems like we can barely move the ball down the field. And yet they would try it over and over, like you said, and go away from things that were more successful, like just running the ball and eating I mean, up the clock. I mean, let's let's all and, and another problem was that you just already touched on was getting within scoring range and the, the, the drive stalling out and right. then having to go for a field goal, which yeah. you cannot do. I mean, yeah, it's better than scoring no points, but like if you're if you're playing the Chiefs, you need to be God scoring touchdowns. touchdowns. We could if have beat the Chiefs when we played in <clears throat> in Kansas City. We could have beat them, yeah. but we literally just. Found every way to not score touchdowns. You know what was a real shame too is last year because the Chiefs were back in fine form this year, but last year when at especially like midway through the year, even really this way midway through the year, the division was like we were in the open, division open for the taking, and then the Broncos. I'm like, this is it. Like you guys have it. I mean, it's not one team is not dominating everyone else, and then the Broncos just, you know, piss it down their leg. It's and and like, I think a lot of that has to do with coaches and leadership in the locker room. Um, <clears throat> I kind of feel I, – I, I liked the Von Miller trade at the, the point that it happened just because of the value we got. We got, I think, a, a second and a third or, or two seconds and a third or whatever. Yeah. I was really bummed to see him go, though. That, 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 that was a sad well, day. Well, don't be surprised if we re-sign him. Because say we – and we need to jump off the Broncos because I could talk right, all day right. about the Broncos. This could turn into a Broncos podcast really quickly. But say we say we do trade Aaron Ro- for Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, I'm totally fine <clears throat> with giving up Bradley Chubb, Jerry Judy, Drew Locke, a couple firsts, a couple seconds. I don't care. I want to win now. Yeah. We need to win now because it's been six years since we've seen the post. It's been six years since we've seen a 500 or better record. Yeah. Well, and like you said, the stars are aligning to look exactly like it looked when before we got Peyton Manning here. And, and people are like, well, you gave up a lot to get Peyton Manning. I go, we went, but to, it two, worked. We went to two Super Bowls and won one. Yeah, in four years. That had, had an incredibly an successful incredible four-year stretch. Four-year stretch. Yeah. I will take going to two Super Bowls, winning one, and losing one if that's what happens. Fuck yeah, dude. Every four years, if this is what we have to do to do it. Yeah. 
We're in the league to win. Yeah. And so I would be fine with doing that and getting rid of him. And people say, you know, Von Miller's like, I'm a Denver Bronco for life. He's come out and he said that. He goes, I'm just working in L.A. right now. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, he's a free agent in the offseason. I'd be fine with bringing him back, not on a $30 million a year deal because he's definitely older. And But we didn't use him right. I was going back and watching some of the early games this year. We have Vaughn dropping into coverage. I love Vaughn. I think he's a hell of an athlete, great football player. The dude is not a cover line. Well, yeah, that's linebacker. not his skill set. That's not Let him rush sells, the passer. Yeah. My goodness. We have Bradley Chubb drop him, and it's like we are setting our guys up to fail and have bad numbers. So it's like, yeah, <clears throat> if the stars align, I say we have Vaughn Miller on our team again with Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. <sighs> without Bradley Chubb, awesome. without Jerry Judy. And people are like, would you be willing to give up Jerry Judy, though, for Devontae Adams? And I was like, where do I sign? Yeah, absolutely you would. If, if you're a Broncos fan and you don't agree to have Devontae Adams over Jerry Judy at this moment, you're, you're crazy. I mean, Devontae Adams is a top five receiver in the league. I, mean, I would give Devontae obvious. Adams as the best receiver in the league. Yeah, he's amazing. The, and that's... Especially if he's got a guy like Aaron Rodgers throwing him the ball. Yeah, <laughs> and he says he wants to play with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, well, I'm Which sure means, he does. If we I'm get sure Aaron Rodgers, we're probably going to get Devontae Adams. I mean, that's in his best interest if he plays with Aaron Rodgers. Should we touch on some of these other hirings real quick before we just start talking about the Broncos for the next 45 yeah. minutes? So I'll just list off uh, firings real quick. since Yeah, I, do the I firings because this article I have my head. this article I have just mainly covers the hirings. So the Dolphins let go of their head coach, um, Flores. Which has opened up a whole nother. Oh yeah, that's a whole other thing. We don't have to get into that. Realm of uh, NFL fun stuff. Um, the Texans they fired. I don't even know who their coach was, but I know they hired Lovey Smith. So I saw that it really was Lovey Smith. Yep. Was the last time he coached was it for the Bears? I believe so. As a head coach, yes. As a head coach, yeah. I believe so. Where has he been previously? Was he even coaching last this past? I don't know. I like Lovey Smith. He always seemed like a likable guy. He seemed like a Vic Fangio of Chicago, but they had Jay yeah. Cutler, who was a quarterback that had plenty of like potential, just didn't care. Just didn't give a shit. Dude's yeah. like, I'm making so much money, I don't care if I win or lose. I it's remember, like, like in my head, he's almost like stuck in in my impression of who the Bears head coach is. It's like in my head, it's always been Lovey Smith because yeah. I was for the for he years was like the iconic Bears yeah. coach. Was, that he, we was, knew. he was he was the guy him, that I John knew. John Fox yeah. and yeah. Then they brought in like the guy from the Canadian Football League, and from then it's just been bad. <laughs> uh, the Jaguars of Urban Meyer not even lasting a full year. Oh my he god! Go. What a fucking dumpster fire they were this year. The Broncos with Vic Fangio, and obviously we touched on that, so we don't need to go over them. The Raiders with the whole John Gruden thing. Oh my god! I totally and, forgot about that. I mean, yeah, that was crazy. The Vikings got rid of Mike Zimmer after a long tenure there. Mm. Uh, the Bears got rid of Matt Nagy. The uh, Giants fired Joe Judge. Okay. I'm looking off my sheet that we did our first episode on, by the way, of oh, who okay. I had in the playoffs. I didn't know if you made a new sheet or not. So this nope, is nope. Not I found the one that I had <laughs> who, a new who was going to be in the Super Bowl and everything. And the that's it, isn't it? So how many teams was that? Run it through it again be, real quick. It should be eight. So there should be the Dolphins – Texans, the right? Texans, the Jaguars, the Broncos, the Raiders, that's five. The Vikings, the Bears, that's seven. And the Did you say the Giants already? The Giants, no, that's eight. Damn. So eight teams have fired their head coaches. And then I have the list of hirings here. So 
Dennis Allen is the new New Orleans Saints. Oh, and the Saints, so not. Oh, yeah, and the Saints. Because well, he stepped down, he right? He stepped down. Sean Payton. So, yeah. Um, Sean Payton's another guy that I'll miss. I was a big fan of his. He's a great head coach and obviously had an incredible tenure there in New Orleans with Drew Brees. But um, it was probably one of those things where, you know, I can imagine that's probably kind of devastating to a head coach to be – you. I'm sure him and Drew Brees had a pretty great relationship because oh, yeah. of all that success and how many years they were working together. And, and then Drew Brees retires, and then they have an off year or two. And I'm sure Sean Payton's just kind of like, yeah, you know, like I've done enough and – I mean, it's, it's. I wonder if he's gonna want to still coach at some point, or if he's done, done. I think he's probably like Gary Kubiak. You know, he won the Super Bowl with the Broncos, coached the year after, and then he goes, "My health and my mind just isn't yeah. in the head coaching. I don't want the stresses yeah. of the head coaching." It's a lot, dude. I can only imagine. <sighs> Went off was the offensive <clears throat> coordinator, I believe, at the Vikings after he did like a year of offensive. Yeah. Um. You know, not like a scout, but of just like an offensive personnel, like a consultant or right. whatever. Yeah. And, and it's like analyst. Yeah, he probably sits at a computer, watches, and gives them his notes, and is like, this is what I would do, you know? Right. But when he doesn't have the stress of, yeah. I'm going to get fired Sean, if we don't yeah. score points. Sean Payton could always do something like that. I, I feel like that's actually a pretty underrated role for one of those guys to do post-head coaching because, like like you said, the stress level must just be out, out off the oh, charts. Yeah. So, like, if you still want to be in football but not have that level of stress, just go be like an offensive analyst for someone or something, yeah. and just, just be like, chill and yeah, get get paid a nice money. get paid a nice salary and have like a tenth of the amount of stress you used to have. That'd be great. Yeah. So Dennis Allen, he was their defensive, the defensive coordinator. coordinator. Yep. So there, there we go. That's what we were talking about earlier. So we'll see how well he does as the new Saints head coach. Um, the New York Giants hired Brian Dabble. Um, I don't know anything he's, about he's the Brian Bills Dabble. offense or was the Bills offensive coordinator. So, oh, okay. Moving on to a Josh Allen, you know, I mean, we've seen what Josh Allen has done, so yeah. we'll see what he can do with the Giants and that offense with Saquon and Daniel Jones, and I yeah. mean, that could, you know, that could be a team. Yeah. So there's Brian Dabble for the New York Giants. There's Matt Uberflus. Uber, Uberfluss? I don't know how you're Uberfluss, to, I believe it is. Uberfluss? Is that, is that how you're supposed so. to say it? He's the new Chicago Bears head coach, apparently. Where did he come he from? He was the defensive coordinator for the Colts. Oh, okay. So another defensive hiring in Chicago. All right, interesting. So he replaces Matt Nagy, right? Yep, yep. Um, Nathaniel Hackett for the Denver Broncos. We just kind of covered that. He's the former offensive coordinator for the Packers. Um, and I think I kind of missed this, but you were saying the – Former um, tight ends coach for the Packers is now the Broncos offensive coordinator. Correct. correct? Okay. So we got two former Packers coaches now running the offense. So I kind of like that. Um, Mike McDaniel is the new Miami Dolphins head coach. Um, Let's see. And I don't know where he came from. Or it said he served as San Francisco's run game coordinator from 2017 to 2020, and after one season as the 49ers offensive coordinator, he will take over in Miami. So he came over from the. Okay then. All right, so, so another Shanahan branch. Yep, that's literally like the next sentence in this little article is talking about the Shanahan branch. Um, Sean McVay was, yeah, he, he was the tight end coach with Mike Shanahan as the head coach of Washington. It was Mike Shanahan was the head coach. Sean McVay, um, Matt Lafleur, and Kyle Shanahan were all offensive wow. assistants under Mike Shanahan in Washington. Wow. That's another thing that's really cool if you're – I don't do a good enough job at following this kind of stuff, but um, if you watch a lot of football, you can follow these quote-unquote coaching trees. Like there's – in college football, there's the Saban coaching tree that's very interesting to follow. And like 
all these coaches who have coached under him who have gone off to be head coaches at other programs and then like his record against them and stuff. That's always really fun and to look at. The Andy Reid tree, the Bill yeah. Belichick tree, yeah. the Sean Payton tree. Yep. The, it's, just- it's very interesting to look at that kind of stuff. Um, so Josh McDaniels is going to replace uh, Gruden in Vegas as the new head coach, and he's obviously been a, a Patriots offensive coordinator for quite a what while. What a bad now. hire. They, they needed to keep the, the special teams coordinator that took over as their head coach. He, um, he took him to the playoffs. Yeah, and McDaniels, Broncos fans remember his tenure here all too well. Um, Trash can. He's another guy who you know was a really good coordinator and just did, failed pretty had miserably no as a head coach. Yeah, and he's also don't forget what was it like? Was it last season or the year before? Josh McDaniels was going to step away from his offensive coordinator position with New England and go be the head coach for like. Who was it? It was like Indy or something. And remember, he backed out at the last minute. He backed out to go back to New England. To go back to New England to be the offensive coordinator. Like yeah. they were like, they had lined up a press conference. Like it was all but done. Yep. And he was like, oh, I changed my mind actually. So I'm kind of surprised like that didn't piss off more people and kind of make Josh McDaniels in a position where wow. he, he has is, a hard time far- finding a head coaching job. But yeah, I mean. <laughs> Following up what happened with Gruden, he looks like a fucking angel. The only know, thing so. the Raiders have going for him, I mean, I like Derek Carr. I think he's a great quarterback. Me too. I think he's actually like better than I anticipated him being. But I will say that uh, the only thing the Raiders really have going for them, because apparently they don't want Derek Carr there anymore, is their stadium. Because it's if you ever have a chance to go to a football game at a Stadium in Vegas, do it. Yeah, you and went you this past year. It. It's pretty awesome. I went this past year. The experience I had was. Top notch. Uh, does it really just look like the Death was, Star just sitting it, there? It does. Room? That's so, it, cool. That's really, so fucking crazy. I mean, the experience I had was beyond like, I'll never get it again, but it, it was just, it was cool. I can't too, wait too to Too bad the Broncos it. just sucked ass. Right, yeah. That, that's always a damper. But I really, you know, we end up going, you know this, we go to Vegas like once or twice a year, <sighs> we, it seems like. We need like. to plan so a trip. We need to plan a Vegas trip around a Broncos Raiders game, and I, I would love to go see a game. Well, dude, people stadium. always like, like, I always wanted to go to Oakland, and we're getting off topic, but that's okay. I always wanted to go to Oakland for a Broncos game, but then I was like, those Raiders fans are like... <laughs> You might get beaten to death in the I parking gotta go lot. with yeah. with a bunch of Raiders fans that are yeah. like chill. Like he yeah. can cheer for his hide hide in a little circle of Raiders fans. We were there, dude. Plenty of orange. Yeah. And as they say in Vegas, they're like they're just a bunch of fake Raiders fans. They just yeah. like the Raiders because now they have a football team. Right, right, right. They're not passionate about the. It does seem like team. a really great place to have a football, like a well, an NFL football team. I mean, going going to the NHL real quick. The Vegas Golden Knights. They came in in their inaugural season. They went to the Stanley Cup Finals. Yeah, and there was a lot of tragedy with the the Vegas shootings that helped build the strength of the Knights because right, it, it was right. something that the the city could come around. And, yeah, yeah, and you know build off of. So they have the Knights for the NHL. They have a legit fan base, and they are crazy out there. That's those cool. are fun games that's to cool. go to. But that like that's a fan base. Yeah, going to the Raiders game. I'm I'm like sitting there. I'm like, there's sixty one thousand people here with us. And the Broncos fans were cheering louder than the Raiders fans. Right, right. And there wasn't as many Broncos fans, obviously, as Raiders fans. But then you go to the Knights game, and it's just like you can't hear yourself. You're like, this is insane. Yeah, yeah. I think it might be like that for a while, where it's almost it almost feels like the Raiders are like a loner franchise to a different city or something. But you know, 
I mean, uh, they're still close then, enough to, for I mean, for fans to travel. There's still then to. there's the LA teams who neither of them have a home game, so it's right, right. The Rams, yeah, it's kind of a sad state of affairs with their fan base, for, especially the Chargers for teams, are the worst. Yeah, but the, during the A or the NFC Championship game against the 49ers, there was more red in the stadium than there was blue, and I'm like, that's sad. Especially for a team who's now going Come to be on. in the Super Bowl and hosting the Super Bowl. Right. So now they're going to have a home field advantage again. But I, mean, I don't know how many. I mean, the Bengals could travel. I was going to say, the Bengals might show up. Who knows? <laughs> it is LA. The Joe Burrow train. Um, okay. Is this the last one on here? Oh, no. We got two. So Doug Peterson, so formerly the Philadelphia Eagles head coach, is now the Jacksonville Jaguars head coach, taking over for that great hire. Urban Meyer debacle that happened this past year. So um, how did the Eagles do this year? What was their record? Do you remember? Did they finish above 500? They were. They were on the uh, – I know they struggled a little bit, but it seemed like the playoffs kind of turned it around a little bit. Um, playoffs. I don't know. I don't playoffs. follow Eagles football like Brandon does. So I don't think he really follows it either. <laughs> But yeah, they went to the playoffs. Seventh in the, they went nine and eight. Nice. And then they yeah, lost to the Buccaneers. Oh, okay. So yeah, Doug Peterson. Um, let's see what he can do in Jacksonville. That's a. I mean, it's like their players go to die. Right. Yeah. It's like there in Houston and Miami right now are just like good luck. You know, like someone can do it eventually, I guess. But it's not looking good right now. So. Um, Oh, and Lovey Smith is now the Houston, Texas head coach, which we were just talking about. Who, you know, Lovey Smith is probably most known for being the head coach of the Chicago Bears for quite a while. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know if it says in here where Lovey Smith was. He, he's probably an analyst somewhere, or maybe a, he wasn't. I don't think he was a defensive coordinator anywhere. It says he was David Culley's defensive coordinator. Oh wait, wait, wait. Smith, who was David Culley's defensive coordinator, was the Houston Texans' landing spot after a circuitous and confusing search moved away from Josh McCown at the 11th hour. That's confusing me. I don't know what it's talking about there. Anyway, Levy Smith anyway, is the Levy new Smith is a <laughs> Houston <laughs> Texas head coach. Um, this article, which came out, it's the 9th. This came out the 6th, so this is just a couple days old. But this says, expected hiring... Kevin O'Connell for the Minnesota Vikings. Um, it says after he's done coordinating the Rams offense in the Super Bowl. Yep. Oh, okay. So he's the he's so the LA he, Rams offensive coordinator. He and probably interviewed, him. but he can't officially take the yeah. job. Otherwise, he'd have to relinquish the okay. Super Bowl duty. Okay. Okay. So that's interesting. So they're expecting that to happen. Um, probably Monday after the Super Bowl. Yeah, but obviously we still have the Super Bowl to come. So yeah, what was there? There was eight firings you said or nine firings and Eight there's firings and then Peyton i just list, stepped away i just lift, listed what one two three four five six seven eight hirings with a ninth one pending right so a lot of shuffling with head coaches in the league almost a third of the league with head coaches that just changed that's pretty crazy and i think there were four or five uh maybe even more gm openings yep and then to touch on the Broncos before we jump in the playoffs real quick, the Broncos are now going up for sale, which yep. is going to fetch a North American record for a sports franchise being sold. That's pretty crazy. They said they value the team at like $2.8 billion or whatever, and they believe the sale will go over the $4 billion mark. <sighs> That's fucking crazy. So the Denver Broncos, and, and hopefully like, to the right buyer, will be sold yeah. for I would say it, I could even see him going over five. You've got to think 
and, and being a Broncos fan, I look at it, but I, I, I'm also a fan of the NFL, and I look at more statistics and everything. But being a Bronco fan, I know how good of a fan base we have here. Ever since Mr. Bowen bought the team, consecutive sellouts. Ever since then. We have like the longest streak of consecutive sellouts in the NFL. It's still ongoing. I don't think that's going to change. We get Aaron Rodgers, boom, it's going to keep going. Yeah. Like the buying this team for $5 billion, I would say would be a safe bet no matter who buys them. So check this out. Just while we're on the topic, um, the so I found this Forbes article listing the world's most valuable sports teams in 2021. So this was in like May of last year. Um, this has the Cowboys valued at $5.7 billion. Um, five-year change in value. They, they've gone up in value 43% over the last five years. The New York Yankees are valued at $5.25 billion. They've gone up in value 54% in the last five years. Um, New York Knicks valued at $5 billion. Barcelona soccer team valued at $4.7 billion. Real Madrid, $4.7 billion. The Golden State Warriors, $4.7 billion. The Lakers, $4.6 billion. The Patriots, $4.4 billion. The New York Giants, $4.3 billion. I don't know how the Giants are worth that It's kind of crazy. So, I mean, um, yeah, and when, when you're talking about North American, because there's a lot of, like, international soccer teams uh, on here that obviously go for, like, disgusting amounts of money. But um, that article that I think either you sent it to me or I sent it to you after we were texting about it, but, like, they were saying if the Broncos – sale goes like they think it's going to go at auction that'll be the highest value any north american sports franchise has ever, ever sold, sold for yep. which is pretty remarkable and i think if it goes over five it'll be the most expensive purchase of a f- sports franchise in the history of sports that's so crazy which i honestly could see because it's an auction style sale so it all depends there's already rumor of eight or nine groups that have bids ready so you got to think someone's not you know if they're like hey we're starting the bidding at four billion. Someone's not going to be like, "All right, four billion, and they get it. It's going to be yeah, because uh, apparently the trust. So who's more or less in charge of the sale right now? In the the paperwork or whatever, they said for the beneficiaries of this trust, we will get the highest price. So they're yeah. not going to sit there and pick an owner. They're going to sit there and be like, "This guy came in with a ten billion dollar offer. It's his. Yeah. It's his. <clears throat> Unless someone wants to do ten five. Yeah. And if not, then ten billion it is. So, <laughs> dude, th- you th- wanna, this could be a a, a crazy. Uh, you want to hear uh, something fucking insane? Well, just listen to these first two figures. I'm going to tell you. So, you know, how I was saying. So the as of 2021, the top two most valuable sports franchises in the world were the Dallas Cowboys and the New York Yankees. It has some interesting info on here. So it was saying, like, I was listing off the five-year change in value. Um, so the Dallas Cowboys are obviously owned by Jerry Jones. Mm-hmm. He purchased the franchise in 1989 for $150 million. It's now worth $5.7 billion. Yeah. Think the, of, like, the, the Broncos. I think Pat Bowen bought them for, like, $87 million back in the 80s or whatever. fucking insane, dude. The New York Yankees... The price paid in 1973 for the New York Yankees franchise. It sold for 8.8 million. It's now worth 5.25 billion. Yeah. 
Wow, that is crazy. Of course, I guess you got to think about like what was eight point eight million in nineteen seventy three money. You know what I mean? You got to adjust probably for inflation not. There. But it's still an probably not even close to a billion. It might be like a hundred million. Yeah, it's still a it's still a tremendous uh, capital gains there. Yeah, imagine the taxes on that sale. <laughs> they're like, how much you buy it for? And they're like, fourteen dollars. And they're like, yeah, what's your cost basis? Uh, my cost basis is eight point eight million. And they're like, and it's now valued at five point two billion. And you're like, yeah. And they're like, you owe us like nine billion in taxes. <laughs> you you owe us all, all the money in taxes. Those numbers don't add up. And they're like, all right, you owe us like seven hundred and fifty million. I'd be like, yeah. you know what? For the profit I just made, I'll write you a personal check. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus, dude. All right, that is fucking crazy. Let's jump into the Super Bowl. Well, hang on, hang on, hang on. So as we're talking no, about we're the, Super Bowl, the Super Bowl right now, <laughs> well, I wanted to do the playoffs. We'll we'll do what happened well, in the playoffs. I was going to say let's jump into the Super Bowl, and then we're going to say how they got there. Oh, okay, great. Well, I have. So what I wanted to mainly talk about. I don't care what you want to talk about. <laughs> you know what, I have Matt? A piece of paper. There are two hosts to this podcast. Yeah, and you, you got your own over. episode last week, so <laughs> this is my episode. I'm taking this. Shit. Are you starting in the wild card round? Because that's where I was going to start. Well, I, yeah, I was going to. I was just going to say in the Super Bowl we have the Bengals against the Rams in L.A. All right, people. Now we're going to go about how we got there. Okay. Take it right. away. So the first seed in the Don't AFC. Don't look at me like that. L- read your paper. This paper is <laughs> doesn't have that info. This is all from my brain. Oh, well, I have it right here. I don't ESPN care. Because I have a computer, and that's... So do I. It's just that way. <laughs> but no, in the AFC, the top overall seed was the Tennessee Titans with the letdown. We'll get to them later. And in the NFC, it was the Packers beating out the uh, Buccaneers for the top overall seed based on a head-to-head matchup. So kicking off the, I think they would call it, it was the super wild card weekend because this was the first time that there's only been two total buys in the NFL playoffs, or at least for a while, but it's a new year with seven teams. <coughs> do you want to start with the AFC or NFC? We'll, we'll do that first. Let's do AFC. So in the AFC, we had the Chiefs versus the Steelers, which was the two versus seven. We had the... Bills versus the Raiders, right? Yeah, <laughs> Bills versus the Raiders. No, no. You had the Bengals no. versus the Raiders, right? Bills versus the Patriots. Yeah, it was, yeah, and yeah, then yeah. the Bengals versus the Raiders. Yep. Uh, obviously, the Bengals beat the Raiders in a very close game. I mean, it was a good game. All the games that week were really good. Well, see, what I was going to say, there were a couple of good games, but there was a lot of boring games in the wild card weekend, which is, we'll get to this here in a minute, the um, preceding rounds of the playoffs got a lot more exciting. So um, we had the Bengals beat the Raiders, like you just said. It was 26-19 to 19 final for that one. Um, the final in the... Patriots and Bills game was a complete blowout. I watched most of that game. It was forty-seven to seventeen Bills. Yeah, that wasn't the Bills finally showed up and because their series through the regular season was pretty close. I honestly thought the Patriots did a tremendous job just even making the playoffs this year. Like I thought that was they overachieved for what their team was really capable of this year, and they ran into a Bills team that was just far superior to them. Yep. Um, the other AFC matchup that you were just talking about was the uh, Steelers and the Chiefs. 
The Chiefs won that game 42-21. to Steelers in, were just way overmatched. Yeah, I, they, in Ben Roethlisberger's last game. Yeah, we knew they weren't going to win. They knew they weren't going to win. Ben Roethlisberger knew they weren't going to yeah. win. Did you see all those comments? He was coming out saying, like, the, yeah, we're just going to go out and have fun. He's like, we're, we're just going to have gonna fun. Win. We're no, we, we know we're not the better team. Yeah. They're clearly much better than us. And they're like, I, I think some of his teammates did not. Yeah, I would. I would hate that. I'd be like, that. "Let's go in. We could shock the world right now. The Chiefs he, are a beatable team. He, we he, beat de- he definitely had a. I'm about to retire, and this is my last game. We're going up against the best team in the AFC. Sort of comment. <laughs> like, yeah, we're we're for sure going to lose. I'm just going to go out there and have fun. And everyone else is like, "Hey, man, like, we kind of we're not retiring. You're like, we kind of want to try and <laughs> we, win. We want to win. Yeah. We want to, you know, upset the world. So that was kind of interesting. But so that was the AFC wild card. So the NFC. The NFC. You want to go through the seeds real quick. Uh, so in the NFC, we had the Packers one, the Buccaneers two, the Rams three, the Cowboys four, the uh, Eagles were seven. I'm just going to skip to them while they're on the top of my head. Cardinals uh, were they? The, the Cardinals and 49ers were uh, five and six. Okay. So, so we was, had. Yeah. You're so, really trying to do this all from memory? Yeah, so the Buccaneers, they played the Eagles in another game, which I thought was probably overmatched, Tom Brady versus a young Jalen Hurts. The Eagles look like they're a team on the rise. Uh, the Buccaneers just too much too, too much talent, power, yeah. too, much, too much power on that offense, and that defense looked great this year. Uh, they won. Then we had the 49ers at the Cowboys. That's who it was, the 49ers at the Cowboys, in which was an amazing a, game. And a crazy finish. And a crazy finish. Did you watch the ending of that I game? I did. So, yeah, for anyone who is listening and did not see the end of that opening uh, playoff wild card round game oh, between awesome. the 49ers and the Cowboys, do yourself a favor and go watch some of the highlights of that because the ending was quite infuriating to watch. Uh, I think if you're really just an NFL fan in general, but especially as a Cowboys fan. I, if I was a Cowboys fan, I would have been fucking livid with the way that game Yeah. Went. Speaking of the Cowboys, real quick though, I don't know if it was our group chat or if it's the other one I'm in, but someone sent me. They were like, "Well, after due consideration, the NFL has tried to move the Super Bowl to a neutral site every year to avoid a home base." So they're like, "From this point forward, the Super Bowl will always be held at AT&T Field in Dallas." <laughs> and I was like, "That is hilarious because it's gonna be true." <laughs> Uh, but then moving into the final game of Wild Card Weekend was a division rivalry with the Rams putting a schlacking on the the Cardinals. Yeah, the, the Cardinals, Cardinals did didn't not show look up. Good. They didn't look good at all at the end of the season, and they the Rams the Rams looked like they were a team that was ready to make a run, and mm-hmm. well, they they've made a run that's for sure. Yeah, so that was Wild Card Weekend. Now let's move into the divisional round. So the divisional round and the conference championship round weekends were fucking crazy yeah so super exciting first game we had was the Bengals at the number one seed titans now going into this game i kind of i i I thought to myself it was going to be a low scoring game because the titans are good at running the both teams are really good at running the ball and derrick henry was back so i was like they're gonna abuse derrick henry because he's back to carry him to the win and it was a low scoring game it was a 19 to 16 win um the Titans, I thought, had a chance to win that game, and then Tannehill threw a, the the most costly interception of his career so far, just beyond midfield. And well, McPherson, who could win MVP this year, 
walked out on the field and as he's passing players on his team said, hey, guys, looks like we're going to the AFC Championship game. Oh, that's and their went kicker. went on to nail the field yeah. goal. <clears throat> Great game. I mean, that that was a tied game and, and under the last minute of the game until he threw that interception. I really thought the Titans were going to win it on a field goal like the Bengals did, but Tannehill threw that interception and then the Bengals got in the field goal range and – yeah. When so you, when you got a kicker with that much confidence that he says yeah, we're that's, going that's there, pretty and, awesome. and he's a rookie, I believe. Yeah. So um, that's what I was going to say is it, that's why I kind of wanted to go through these different rounds of the playoffs. Is like that wild card round weekend, depending on which game you watched, you may have seen like a pretty decent close game or kind of a blowout that was not really close. This divisional round weekend, every single game was decided on a field goal basically except for one and that game went into overtime and that finished as a six point win so that was the best game of the playoffs though yeah we'll get to that in a second though we'll get to that in a second so but the second game of that yeah, saturday yeah. was a three-point victory for the 49ers over the packers on in a, another in a pretty weird game a very weird game yeah. but it was another walk-off field goal it was another walk off time expired yep. robbie gold nailed it through the uprights and Sent Aaron Rodgers and the the number one overall seed Packers home and and it was it was just a weird game that I thought that was going to be an offensive powerhouse of a game and it was just kind of boring it was well so it was I didn't get to see this game I watched the highlights on YouTube um, the you know if if you look at that score that's not the score you are expecting for those two teams but if you watch the game it makes a lot more sense it's in a very snowy very very cold conditions at Lambeau Field which is like exactly what you expect for you know playoffs playoff at Lambeau football. Field yeah that's exactly what you'd expect but the 49ers won that game without an offensive touchdown yeah the only touchdown they scored in that game was a defensive special teams score where they blocked a punt and and picked it Dude, up and ran it into the end zone. The blocked punt was such a funny thing because the guy that always blocks it is like standing there and they're frantically looking left, right, up, yeah, and, yeah. and they can't find the ball and it's like 40 yards away from them and yeah. then like their teammate comes running by them and they're like, woohoo. Yeah. Yeah, I, it was just, it was a weird game, but it was a nail biter. I was sitting there going, let's yeah. go to overtime, you know, give us some free football. Right. But the 49ers won, which led us into Sunday's games, which. As Zach said, we're even closer. <laughs> we had the Rams winning on a walk-off field goal because of Matthew Stafford leading an impressive drive at the end of the game. Yes, a highly impressive that drive. Matt Gay but field goal. I, I think the big note on that game, um, if you if you see that score, you might get a different impression of how that game went. The Rams were totally in control of that game. They were up twenty-seven to three. Yeah, and. Tom Brady almost pulled a circa Patriots coming back to beat the Atlanta Falcons a few years ago in the Super Bowl type comeback and almost came back and won that they, game. The Rams, uh, I think, had like four turnovers or something like that. They, yeah, I think the, the Buccaneers had two touchdowns in less than five minutes or something in the fourth yeah, quarter. Yeah, I, I know the Rams running back had two fumbles that he lost and I think Stafford threw like a Stafford couple threw picks. In, yeah. And it just seemed like the Rams, nothing was going their way. All the momentum was shifted in the Buccaneers' favor, and somehow they were able to eke well, out that win. They, they, like Brady, you said, on that Brady really impressive last drive. From Brady tied the Rams. it up, but you left Stafford with enough timeouts. Yeah. And the best receiver this year, for sure, Cooper Cup. Oh, yeah. 
It was apparently unguardable, and they beast. just went down. They clocked the ball. I think there was three seconds left or whatever when they clocked the ball. Yeah. And they had, it was like a 38-yard field goal or something like that, and he drained it. And I'm sitting there going, Tom Brady just got a taste of his own medicine because this is what he's done to teams for the past two, oh, yeah. three decades. Yep. That Also, that finish of them completing that big pass to Cooper Cup and running down the field to try and spike it, eerily reminiscent of what happened to the Cowboys the week prior that went wrong for the Cowboys. What it, everything that went wrong for them went right so, for the Rams. I'm going to touch on the Cowboys real quick while we brought the, bring that up because everyone's shitting on the refs for that, but that's Dak Prescott's fault. Yeah, he, the he, refs he, also did a pretty shitty job. They were in the fucking way. Well, you know what but I mean? the thing is, is as, as anyone that watches NFL football should know, Know some of the rules, though, before you just really bash people because it is a rule that the umpire has to spot the ball. He has to touch it before a play can – had they snapped the ball before the umpire touched it, no play, five-second runoff, game over anyways. Yeah. He has to spot the ball. They moved him out of the middle of the defense – more or less protecting the umpire and and making sure that the defense doesn't have an obstacle – in the way of a referee. He has to run the whole length of the field behind. And the offense, the line got down and ready in positions. If you're, like they said, if you're the the offense, you turn and you find the umpire. You don't hand the ball to your center. Hand the ball to your the umpire because as soon as he puts it down, you can snap it. I, I get all of that, and I understand that that's the rule. That ref fucked up. Well, no, that because, ref is fucking slow, and he also ran into well, Dak he, Prescott in the center, and then fucking he fucked all of that well, up. But but you also I understand have to that blame like, the Cowboys because if Prescott slides two yards earlier, they clocked the ball. The, the and slide have time. did. The slide did. Fuck Prescott them. needed yeah. to learn to go down earlier, and this whole situation would have ever been talked about. He should have gone yeah. down earlier, and I think there needs to be more emphasis on that because you can't tell me that we have to have referees that can run four fours and spot the ball. Yeah, sure. Was it like a, okay, that was kind of fucked up situation. Maybe we need to amend a rule to be like, you know, if there's something like that, there's one untimed down, but there's no time after that. Like, that's it. Like, you get one snap of the ball. Maybe there should be an amendment to that. But at the same time, the players on the field need to know the situation, and Prescott cost that game by not knowing the situation yeah. he slides I, earlier I think, yeah th- they get at least a second to kick a field goal yeah i think and, there's and it avoids the whole situation yeah there's a couple things there dak prescott for sure on his scramble and his slide ate up too much time i yep. mean that's that's really the root cause of all this i mean they they should have been able to still get one playoff or or i mean uh spike it but his scramble and his slide took off so much time that it made it nearly impossible to do right. that. Because if you but think about you, it, it came down to a second. Yeah. It literally came down to one second. If he slides two yards earlier, what does that extra two yards do for you? Nothing. Right. Absolutely right. nothing. You slide earlier, everything happens two seconds earlier. Yeah. You, I, there's a second on the clock. So I the think the situation never happens. There's that. That's really the root cause. Because I, I agree with you with that. I, I think there's just with the whole ref thing. I understand that that's the rule, but when I watch that play play out the way it did, I think if I'm the NFL, you need to change something about that because you can't have a ref who is in a, in a situation like that where the offense and defense are running up to the ball to try and spike it to save time to kick a field goal to win a playoff game. You can't have the ref fucking 40 yards behind everyone waddling his fat ass down the field and then running into the quarterback and causing like two extra seconds of shit 
That's just ridiculous. Like we need to be able to right, there, there would run, have to be we need to be able to spot the ball, snap it, spike it, and fucking kick a field goal and like play the game the way it should be played. The, I, w- I wasn't even a Cowboys fan and I'm I was glad they screaming lost. at the TV I'm, the I'm way fine that, that happened. No, I'm I mean, they're going, I'm I'm happy with I, this. I, I don't I'm care. fine with it. Like I said, I'm not a Cowboys fan, but just the way that game ended. Like, you know, you see all those videos online of people watching the, their team lose and they'll, like, punch their TV and destroy it. I don't blame any Cowboys fan for I doing mean, that. I would have been fucking infuriated I if mean, my team I, lost that I way. agree. It's it's not a good look for the NFL or the NFL referees. But It was just, like, embarrassingly sloppy. You know what I mean? It's just like, why I are mean, we doing – why are you this bad at getting but, down there and touching the fucking But you have to understand, ball? like, by calling it sloppy, you have to understand there are 22 players and then, like, eight officials that are all frantically moving, trying to get into the ready positions for this next play. So I think they showed a replay and they show him running behind the play. He was like legit moving, trying to like, well, make not sure fucking fast enough, but, but that's the thing. How can you sit there and be like, dude, you need to be on a full. He's like, I am on a full out sprint. You know, he's like, I'm 58 years old. Well, I think either they need to have faster refs or amend that rule to where that's not required because well, that that's it, ridiculous it's just it's a it's a hard i mean i'll use baseball for an example like with, everyone runs up to the line and then we all turn around and we're waiting on the ref who's still 20 yards behind everyone and meanwhile time's ticking down right. time's ticking down yeah, yeah it this doesn't it, it doesn't seem right but it's the way the game is supposed to be played and it's the way the game has to be played no it's, it's just, only it's, it's just only like, played that way because that's a rule Right, they but could that's, change that's the rule. The, right, but it's the way it has to be played until the rule is changed. Just like yeah. baseball, there is no strike zone. There is not a box out there where if the ball goes into that or touches it, it's a strike. It's purely the guy behind the plate that makes the call. As a fan, yeah, you get pissed. You're like, that was so far out, and he called it a strike. That was so low, so high, so inside. Calls it a strike. Now they're talking about, well, we're going to get rid of the home plate umpire because of you know for the strike zone. And I'm like... But that, to me, is starting to take away this whole idea of, you know, a sport being played by players and ran by people. Because we could get rid of all of the NFL referees and just have them sit up in a box. Just, like, have a cannon that shoots a flag on the field and then someone that talks about it. We don't need – you just have one referee that spots the ball. That's it. I think the, literally the, don't the, home plate, the home plate ref thing or the home plate umpire in baseball is a little bit different than what we're talking about. I just feel like – But there, it's, it's there has, there's human error involved in all of it, and you have yeah, to account sure, for that. Yeah, sure, but I think that rule needs to – they need to take a look at that because that game should not have ended the way it did. Right. They'll have to take a look at it, but you have to sit there and be like – like you might not have an idea right now, but what would be a logical explanation or – you know? logical rule to put in place be like you know well if we're in a situation like this and there's a a bumble of balls between the center the quarterback and the referee how do we how do we judge that like do we you know what what do we do because how how would you fix that because then you could have the center and quarterback who are like oh we're already, already out of time let's just bumble the ball and make it look like it's the ref's fault like uh, all I know is there's got to be a better way than waiting on the ref who's 20 yards behind the play. The only thing I could think of would ha- try and snap would, the ball. And you spike would have it. to have like a line judge who's on the side. I was going to say run in and do it, but the same thing could happen. Why? Why isn't there a different ref who's further down the field that could spot that ball? Well, but and allow you, the play to. But go. I mean, and I mean, give I mean, give about give it, the guy time to run down the field and get back into position. Well, but but think about it. You've got a back judge who's all the way behind the safeties. And, and as the play is coming towards him, he's backing up because he's got to keep people in front of him, right? 
So there's the back judge. Then you got all of your line judges on the outside. The two closest people to the ball are I don't I don't know what the C referee stands for, what what he's called, but the C referee and the referee himself are behind the offense. They're the two closest people to the ball at all times. Yeah, if there's a deep play, it might be the the back judge, but you always see the back judge toss the ball to the to the umpire. I'm just saying there's like, like 57 refs on the field. One of them who's closer to the ball where the play ended can't spot I don't know. that I'm ball. I'm not the one that wrote the rule, but there's got to be a better there's got to be a better way to do that because I just think the way that that game ended was like embarrassing. The only thing that I could think of that would help with that or or maybe amend a little bit is what they did in college where the clock stops in college until the chains get set. I like that. So that would be the only thing I could logically think of that they could put in place, which, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to keep my college talk real quick till the next game. So let's go to the next game, which okay. is the Chiefs and Bills. Yeah. We got to get off that topic. Cause I'm I, that, the more I'm thinking about that, the ending of that Cowboys game, it's infuriating me the way that ended. But so, this yeah. Chiefs-Bills game was arguably the greatest playoff game I've ever watched. It's insanity. And it was insanity. the biggest heartbreak, though, as a Broncos fan who doesn't want the Chiefs to ever win. And watching the Bills sitting there taking the lead after giving it oh. back and then taking it back. And then they took the lead and I go, okay, Pooch kick it. Kick that ball as high as you can and make him have to return it. They fucked that up. And all of a sudden, their kicker's like, yay! And that ball goes to the back of the end zone. I'm like, why did you do that? Now they only have to go 75 yards, and they still e- have all everyone, that time. Everyone who's ever watched enough football knows in that situation, you squib kick the ball down the Dude, field. If if they do that... Fucking obviously. If they do that, that runs you know, possibly six, seven seconds off the clock. Yes. They don't have time to get that touched or that play to Kelsey, which yeah. means they're tr- Buckers kicking a 60 plus yard field goal to try right. and force overtime. Right. Nope. He's kicking like a 30 yarder and I'm sitting there going, you fucked up by not pooch kicking, squib kicking, whatever you wanted to that do. That was a huge mistake. <clears throat> you kicked out of the back of so the end zone. We were, this is, I watched all of the Rams and Buccaneers game that Sunday, but I didn't see most of the Bills Chiefs game, but I saw the most exciting parts. So good. So we went and grabbed dinner and we put like a to go order in. I walk into the restaurant and they have it on the TVs as I'm waiting for them to give me the to go order. And there's like six minutes to go. And I think the Bills had like a 26 to 21 lead or something like that at that time. And I'm like, get back in the car. I'm like, babe, let's run home and watch the end of this Chiefs game. And I'm so glad we turned it on because we, we get home, get the food settled, turn on the TV. There's two minutes to go, and the last two minutes was the most insane shit I have ever it was like, seen in a football Touchdown, failed two point. Touchdown, two point. Tie the game. Touchdown, extra point. Touchdown, like, extra point. I'm like, oh, geez. Like Josh Allen did twice what pulled a game-winning touchdown play out of his ass and still lost that game somehow. He lost that game because of bad coaching. Also... So wait, 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 real quick before I start ranting on the NFL and how they need to change their overtime rules. Um, that was my next college rule that I wanted to rant <laughs> yes. about. Okay, good. We're on the same fucking page then. Um, what? How? How many combined points did they score in the last like minute and fifty six seconds? Didn't they say it was like? I forget what it the was number like was. Sixty eight. <laughs> they scored. They scored twenty eight points uh, in the fourth quarter, and I'm pretty sure. And most of that happened with like two minutes to go, basically. All right. Let's see. Yeah, let's see what it is. Because I forget exactly what the number was. The commentators were mentioning it. So it it took... Well, here's the the hard thing, though. Is Kansas City took a 26-21 lead, and then the Bills had a seven-minute drive Mm. to take a 29-26 lead. 
And from that touchdown on, the uh, Chiefs scored a 52-second touchdown to take a 33-29 to lead. Then the Bills scored a 49-second touchdown to take a 36-33 to lead. And then 13 seconds later was the game-tying field goal. So, from, so three touchdowns within a minute. So they scored eight, seven, so 15, uh, 22, 25 points within – like seven, two two minutes within two oh, minutes within two minutes, that's what it was. It was twenty five. It was a right? seven minute yeah. drive, so it was yeah. twenty five points within two minutes. <laughs> Dude, insanity! And <coughs> of that twenty eight in that quarter. Yeah, and that was like when I turned the game on. When I got home to sit down to eat my food and watch, that's what we saw. It was like that last two minutes. We were like literally sitting there freaking out. Like, what I mean, is happening? Think about it. It goes punt, punt, and then field goal, touchdown, 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 field goal. <laughs> Insanity. All in the fourth quarter. Insanity. But That's so crazy to me. Then going into overtime, which is the most bullshit rule in the NFL. Oh, my God. You want to you wanna complain about the, the Cowboys rule and all that shit? This is the most bullshit rule in the NFL. It's the most glaring one they need to fix. Is the overtime rule. Oh, my God. First one to score a touchdown wins. If you touch the ball first, you score a touchdown and you win. It's like, no. Put the ball on the fucking 25 and make them duke it out like college football. Yes. What are we listening to? Oh, is that an ad? Yeah. <laughs> um, yes, 100%. I've been saying this for years. Everybody's been saying it for I, years. I don't know why the NFL, the biggest football league in the country, in the world, can't figure out how to make overtime satisfying. They're going to put an entire another quarter's worth of time on the clock, and they're just going to say, well, whoever wins the coin toss gets the ball first. And if you get the ball first and you score a touchdown, that's it. Game's over. And if you don't score a the touchdown, the other team can kick a field goal and win yeah. the game. I'm the, like, this is exciting. Yeah. yeah. What kind of bullshit overtime is that? Oh, and also, if neither team scores and the time for the extra quarter ends, it just ends in a tie. It ends in a tie. We're Unless the NFL, but we're going to send everyone home in a fucking tie. Imagine in the press, they're like, that's a well, good product. we've never had one overtime end in a tie, so we're just going to send the best players from both the Bengals and the Chiefs or the Bills and the Chiefs to play the Bengals next weekend. And everyone's like, what? And they're like, yeah, this is just our new rule. And I'm like, why are we playing for ties? Dude, I don't fucking understand it. It is the dumbest shit ever. It, anyone who watches college football and you watch games going to overtime, it is exciting. Dude, college That's football, how you do overtime. College football literally had a seven overtime game like two years yes. ago, two or three years ago, to where they're like, we need to shorten overtime because players started getting hurt. They started getting yeah. way too dehydrated. It was like a six-hour-long football game to where they're not, they're now like in the third overtime, everyone just has to go for two points. Exactly. But like if you don't get it, you don't get it. That's the game. Yeah. You start. You just start shrinking the options that the offenses yeah. can use, and eventually someone's going to not get it. You I would know what be I mean? even. I would even be fine with the NFL being like, okay, going in overtime, we're going to start with uh, forty-yard field goals, and we move <laughs> five yards back every time, and whoever misses first, and whoever loses, misses yeah. first lose like a penalty kickoff or a shootout Dude, in the hockey like literally just anything something would be to better not than what have they, a tie yeah i just don't understand it dude like a the option that the game could end in a tie is fucking ridiculous b the fact that whoever whichever team wins the coin toss essentially guarantees themselves a win for the game yeah if they have a good offense that's ridiculous because the broncos were guaranteed to lose that game right there I guarantee you, Josh Allen, the Bills get the ball back in overtime. They're fucking scoring. Yeah. I guarantee you. And then we get to sit there and watch them go back and And they're just duking it out in overtime. Let them play a college football overtime so we can just watch them play. Yes. We as fans want to see that, Goodell. Quit being a greedy bitch. 
you fucking asshole, and give us college overtime rules in the NFL. Here's my thing. I don't understand the NFL's perspective because aren't you in the best interest of making the best product available to make the most money? money. Making the best product available is making the game more entertaining, and making the game more entertaining is fixing the fucking overtime rules. Yeah, imagine. imagine I don't understand it. Imagine the Super Bowl goes to overtime and like first team score touchdown wins. I'd be like, no, it's horseball on the twenty-five. Everyone's like. Yes. College overtime. It'd be crazy. The fans are all shifting into yes. the other end zone and they go back to their own. It'd be crazy. <sighs> we can only dream. I don't know why do. they don't fix this. It seems like the most easy thing to fix. Like, hey, owners, in the offseason, when you're meeting to change all these stupid fucking rules that you always change that no one gives a shit about, how about we go, hey, we don't even have to come. You don't have to come up with anything. Just I, copy I would have to, the model from college. It's I, a great model for overtime. Just right. do that. I would like to ask Sam if the NFLPA has anything to do with it because you know they have to okay like the rules. Like They had to agree to expand to a 17-game season yeah. while getting rid of uh, – Preseason. I would like to see if this has ever been brought up by the NFL, and if the NFLPA was like, "No, we don't want that extra Possibly. contact," because that would be another interesting topic. Not being an NFL player, yeah, as a fan, I want to see it. I understand the yeah. shit their bodies go through, and I could understand the injury aspect of it. But I also it, think most of those guys would rather it. They would rather a both teams get a shot. And B, they would rather not have to end the game in a tie. It's right. just weird. Those guys right. want to win or they want to lose. You'd rather not play an extra 10 yeah. minutes of full football than being like, okay. And then okay, just go home in a tie. We're alternating. Yeah, yeah it'll be interesting. Because Sam was telling me his first game with Arizona, um, he was saying Kyler Murray was his first start ever and it ended in a tie. He was saying it was like the first time a rookie yeah, quarterback's like game had I'm ever ended sure. in a tie. And Sam was saying it was the weirdest feeling. After the game, like right. it, like everyone didn't really know how to act because it's like, well, we didn't win, but we also didn't lose either. Like, okay, yay, we played. Like, I, it's just weird. You <laughs> yeah, know what, I mean? what a like, good scrimmage we had today. Yeah, boys. Like, cool scrimmage, I guess. Like now we're gonna have a dash one on the end of our fucking record. You know, like I don't know. It just seems like a really easy thing to fix that they're just not doing, and it's no one likes the way their current overtime is set up. No one. No one. And yeah, they just won't listen. I don't. I don't know. I don't get it. But, but you know, moving on, to I don't the, make the big bucks either. I guess right, so. neither do I. Moving on to the conference championship, <laughs> we had the Bengals at the Chiefs. Uh, another game that went to overtime. Such um, a great game with Patrick Mahomes throwing an interception in overtime. Very costly interception. At, <laughs> I sat there and as soon as they won the coin toss, I was like, "Here we go, Chiefs are in the fucking Super Bowl." Right. He threw an interception. This is like a repeat of the past weekend. And then Joe Burrow led the offense down in the field goal range, and I'm pretty sure McPherson probably said something, but maybe not to as many people. He was like, we're going to the fucking Super Bowl. <laughs> maybe mumbles it. And then he fucking just oh, drills it, and I'm like, the Bengals are going to the Super Bowl. I'm excited, man. And then later that night, we had another division rivalry between the Rams and 49ers in L.A. Uh, in another three-point game because the 49ers, up 17-7, to decided to give up 13 in the fourth quarter. On Matthew Stafford again driving late in the game to win it. So, mm-hmm. the I mean, going in the, I don't know, dude. I don't know how to call this Super Bowl because both teams just played great games and yeah. So here's here's my conundrum. So on one hand, I'm rooting for the Rams because this year I had like three of the Rams on my offense in fantasy or of their offensive players in fantasy. I had Stafford. Cooper Cup and Van Jefferson. Obviously, two of those guys basically carried my fantasy team most of the year. I've been a Stafford fan for a long time. I've had him multiple times in fantasy, even when he was in those, 
you know, drudge years in Detroit where he was just kind of slugging it out for a team that wasn't very good. He's always been very solid. I feel like he gets a bad rap. Um, I'm a big fan. I'd like to see him win. On the flip side, Joe Burrow is – there's just something about him, and I want to see him succeed. And he's a guy who I was a giant fan of watching in college, and I just think it would be remarkable to see a guy that young within like a three-year span go from winning a Heisman Trophy, winning a national championship with LSU, and then winning a Super Bowl within like three years. Well, I, I'm the same way. I, I be, And plus, the Bengals haven't made the Super Bowl or won the Super Bowl since like 88 never or some won the shit. Super Bowl. Or they haven't been since, since 89, I believe. 89, yeah. So it's like... That's also cool. It's someone right. who hasn't won in a really long time. Like, I don't really have a dog in the fight. I would like to see that happen. I, I yeah. The only thing that I'm thinking I might lean towards rooting for LA is I want to see Stafford get a Super Bowl because I don't know how many more opportunities he's going to get. Whereas I think Joe Burrow's probably got some more opportunities left in him because he's so young. I, I would say uh, I don't have a dog in the fight either. I want to see Stafford win a Super Bowl, and, yeah. and, and I think it would be cool to watch Von Miller win a Super Bowl in the, the AFC That's another thing and the too, NFC. Yeah. My only beef with this game is Odell Beckham Jr. I don't want to see oh, him win a God. Super Bowl, but I'm like – kind of forgot about him. I want to see Stafford and Von Miller win a Super Bowl. And Cooper I, Cup is very deserving of winning Cooper a Super Cup's Bowl a, this year. I would yeah. say Aaron Donald's deserving yeah. of winning a Super Bowl. Like th- if, if Stafford wins a Super Bowl, Hall of Fame bound. Von yeah. Miller already Hall of Fame bound, but this yeah. just adds Cements another it thing sure. to it. You know, it, it would be great to see him win. It's just Odo Beckham is like stopping my brain and heart. From That's a really good point. That's a really good point. He's so fucking. And then on the other end, yeah, Joe Burrow. Like I have nothing against the Bengals because they had been shit for so long. They get yeah. to the playoffs and then they lose in the first round with Andy Dalton at QB. Andy Dalton there for years. Like, he was always getting him in the playoffs, but then yep. they'd always lose first round in like a heartbreaking game with the uh-huh. Steelers. And uh-huh. then Joe Burrow comes along. I thought it wouldn't be this quick, but that team is just playing outstanding. Yeah. And if he wins a Super Bowl, he will become the third person ever to win a Heisman, a national championship, and a Super Bowl. And wow. Who are the other two? Do you know off the top Joe of Joe Namath. Okay. And Joe Montana. So oh, shit. It's going to be Joe the Joe Burrow would be the third Joe, the third Joe to complete the trio. Holy shit. That's crazy. So I, I, my biggest beef is just Odell Beckham Jr. I don't want him to win a Super Bowl. Yeah, but, but I feel like I there's... I want Vaughn and Stafford yeah. and Cup and Donald probably to get one. There's and, way more guys on that team that I'd rather see win that overpower the, but the Odell Beckham At the end of the thing. day, I'm sitting there going, you know what? This is the first Super Bowl, I think, in a long time that I'm going into without having a team. I'm sitting there going, like, I'm definitely Yeah, you're cheering actively rooting you against, yeah. Or yeah. cheering against you. Yeah. This is... I'm like... I want a good game. Yeah. You know, be a nail biter till the very end and break one franchise's heart as time expires. Yeah. On like a field goal or something. Like, yeah. Do something cool like that and I'll be happy because I really could care less as far as, you know, I, I like Stafford. I like Burrow. You know, it, it would just be, a, it, I just want it to be a fun game because yeah. Tom Brady's not in the Super Bowl and Tom and Brady's Chiefs not in the league anymore. The, and the Chiefs the aren't in it. Yeah. And the Patriots aren't in it. So it's like a win, win, win. The whole yeah. league wins at this point. The whole point. league wins, yeah. So all, all the big bad guys are not in it. So. so I think my prediction will be the Rams win. I think okay. they've just got too much veteran leadership on that team. But I just have a feeling Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase might put on a show. I was going to say, never underestimate Joe Burrow. I, I think I, they could pull something out of their ass. I, I saw Jalen Ramsey wants to cover uh, Jamar Chase, and I was like, 
I don't. Best of luck. Sir. I don't know, man. Like, yeah. Props to you for wanting the assignment, but yeah, best I don't of know luck. if I want to go out of my way for that. That guy's a fucking beast. But I'm not gonna pick a dog necessarily. But I think that the Rams get it done. Yeah, like because I said, because I have Matthew Stafford picked on my preseason MVP list. So, dude, you and me both were were Team Stafford all the way from the preseason, and that turned out to be a really good pick. Um, yeah, him to Cooper Cup all year was just that was just I was loving that. On and <laughs> think about this: the Rams might be without Higby. They're definitely without Robert Woods. Mm-hmm. So, a fully healthy Rams team, I would say they walk away with it because right. Joe Burrow's got a very bad offensive line, and now you mm-hmm. have Von Mer- Von Miller and Aaron Donald coming after Dude, you. It's that that is a very gonna, good point. Going to be dangerous. He has a bad offensive line because if you watched that um, Chiefs game, he was just running for his life the well, entire game. And the the game before that against the Titans, the Titans I think sacked him nine times. Yeah, I mean it's not it's not good up front for the for so, the Bengals. So it'll that's be, definitely a concern, cause especially because the defensive front line for the Rams is really <laughs> fucking good. Yeah. So you got a really good defensive line going against a not so good offensive line. Like that's that's causes trouble for Joe Burrow for sure. But if they can give him some sort of time, he's gonna make things happen. I mean, the guy's definitely proved I, sometimes if you just, just give gotta, him a few seconds, he's gonna pull well, something out of his ass. And sometimes you just gotta get the ball in your playmaker's hands. If you right. hit Chase on a little wide receiver screen, one it gets your alignment moving downfield. Yeah. Even just toss the, it out to Joe the, Mixon and let him run down right. the field a little it, bit. It takes away the pressure from the, the pass yeah. rush, like you know, little slant routes, see if you can get him, you know, on a little five and in or something and just let him play the game. But I'm excited for it. And Me too. I'm, I'm pumped. It, it, it'll be a good game, I think. So I think since I, since I have to make a decision, I'm, I'm going to go Team Rams. I, I, I want to see Stafford win a team Super Bowl. Team Rams. Um, just, just for the reason I just outlined of, I think Joe Burrow is going to have more opportunities and I don't think Stafford is. Um, and I would really like to see Stafford win a Super Bowl because I think it would kind of silence a lot of his – Doubters, yeah, you know, I agree. But I'd like to see it. Plus, the whole Von Miller thing. I mean, we've already we've already talked about it. So, yeah. So there you go. That's your. uh, We have T minus what four days until that happens. So yeah, because it's Wednesday night right now. So it's coming up. It's exciting. It's exciting, but it's also uh, very depressing because football will be over until fucking August, and then we're gonna sit here and I mean, I get to watch hockey, so. Yeah, well, and I'll transition to basketball. I'll watch college and then pro basketball. Oh, yeah, we get March Madness here in a month. Yeah. Nice. So that's always good. We, we should do a March Madness episode. I think we were talking about that yeah. a while back, but we've never done one, I don't think. so. It's just a little hard with a 68-team bracket. Right, yeah, it's tough, but we can do it. We can do it. So, yeah, anyway, um, thanks for tuning in, everybody. That's your 2021 to 2022 NFL season recap, you know, playoffs recap and Super Bowl preview. Super Bowl 56. Yeah, 56. So, um, yeah. Tune in here for a live stream of the episode as Zach and I commentate. You know what? That would be actually really fun to sit here and watch. Are we going to bring that all this equipment over to my parents' house? Could you imagine us sitting there being like, all right, you guys need to be quiet while watching the game. Zach and I are doing that a might get live a little, stream episode. That might get a little rowdy, too, because I, I tend to get hammered on the Super Bowl. So. <laughs> God damn it! It's like Jesus, what it'll be a lot of. I think it'd be a lot of just fucking freaking out and people screaming and oh, and then at Tayo there'd be like a push going. Oh, they're fighting! It's like no, they're not. It was a push. oh yeah. She she looks for the fights. Any, anytime there's any sort of a scuffle after a play, she's like fight, fight. <laughs> but yeah, thanks for tuning in. Uh, hopefully, all of y'all enjoy the Super Bowl this weekend, um, and then we'll be back 
more than likely next week, if not next week, the week after with another episode, which we don't know what we're doing it on because when are we ever prepared for the next week? Right. Um, I have an idea, but uh, that's probably a month or two away. So Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll be back uh, next week or the week after with another episode. But uh, everyone enjoy your weekends, and um, thanks for tuning in. Yeah, thanks, everybody. Till next time. Goodbye.